So, Super Bowl 55 is set. All right, we have an amen to that. All right. So, um, yes, Super Bowl 55 is set. It is next Sunday. Now, listen, it's not till later in the day. So, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be here next Sunday, right? Now, you can amen that one. Yeah, amen. All right, good. Uh, so, next Sunday, Super Bowl 55 is set. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And how cool is it that the Bucs get to play at home, right? I mean, that's kind of cool, isn't it? So, Brady's first year with the Bucs. And look at there, they're going to the Super Bowl. Now, I saw this uh, on, on social media yesterday. And uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, it was from ESPN. And what I, what I remember seeing is that when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes was in kindergarten. Think about that. So Tom Brady's been here before. This is number 10. Number 10 for him. He's won six. You think he's interested in sharing? I don't think so. I think he wants to win number seven next Sunday. Uh, but the Chiefs won it last year, so they're going to try to repeat... Uh, Brady's going for number seven, so it should be exciting. Uh, should be should be a good game. Well, as they prepare for this biggest game of the year, there's all kinds of strategizing going on, right? They are they're formulating a game plan. This thing has been in the works. They're they're still in the works, and they've got some high paid folks that are looking at the analytics. They're looking at the film. They are planning, right? They are planning how are we going to stop Brady. They're planning how are we going to stop Mahomes. Their, their defense is strategizing. Their offense is strategizing. Right? They are working on a game plan. How are we going to win this game? Because that's the goal, right? You don't go to the Super Bowl just to show up for the Super Bowl and say, hey, I got to the Super Bowl. You want to win. Right? When, when at the end of the fourth quarter, the clock has all zeros, you want your team to have more points than the other team. Right? You don't want to go home Having lost, you want to win. That's the goal. That's the objective. So you've got a game plan. You've got a strategy for how you're going to win. Well, church family, let me suggest to you this morning that the mission that Jesus has given to us is a whole lot more important than winning a Super Bowl. Now, our mission... At first NSB, it's not going to get the kind of coverage that Super Bowl 55 is going to get. Right? Nobody's called us up and said, hey, could we, could, could we run some commercials in your worship service? We'll pay you a couple of million bucks for it. None of that's happening, and I guarantee it's not going to happen this week. But the mission that Jesus has given to us, the mission of, of making disciples, it's far more important. It's eternal. We're talking about eternal business here. We're talking about something that impacts people's eternity. They're forever. So what's our game plan? What's our strategy as a church? Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about our foundations. We've been talking about some really foundational things like, why are we here? What's our purpose? To glorify God. What do we do? We make disciples. What's our future? What's our vision? Our vision is to be a multi-generational, disciple-making church that is growing in our love for God and all people and that is raising up the next generation of disciples to reach this community and the world for Jesus. So these are the foundational things we've been talking about. Why are we here? What do we do? What is our future? 
But if we're going to accomplish these things, if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to grow in our love for God and all people, if we're going to raise up the next generation, we've got to have a plan. We've got to have a strategy. We've got to have some kind of an approach. Now, I want to invite you with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1 this morning. So if you will open your Bible with me to Philippians chapter 1. If you're in the worship center and you didn't bring a Bible... We have Bibles available. Just look underneath one of the chairs in front of you. Locate that Bible. And if you're grabbing one of those Bibles, that's page number 570. Page 570 in that Bible. But I want you to open that Bible with me to Philippians chapter 1. And I want to just lay this out here for us. Because as we look at this in Philippians, Paul is writing this letter... And it's, a, it's an encouraging letter. Like when you read Philippians, th- there's encouragement in this letter as Paul is writing. Now, now, Paul is in prison when he writes this letter. And he's writing to the saints, the believers in Philippi. Now, I want you to notice, if you've got your Bible open to Philippians chapter 1, at verse 3, notice the encouragement here. He says, I thank my God In all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So so Paul, he remembers them. And when he remembers them, he prays for them. He's thankful for their partnership in the gospel. Like they're on the same team. They serve the same Jesus and they are laboring together. They are partners in the gospel. And he goes on and look at the encouragement. Verse 6, he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So Paul has confidence that God, who started to do something good in the Philippians, that he's going to continue to do something good all the way until the day when Jesus comes. If you notice in verses 12 and 13, he, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And so evidently, um, Paul feels this sense of, of need to encourage his audience to say, look, what's happened to me has actually helped the gospel. What's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So his imprisonment hasn't hindered the cause of Jesus in Paul's life, but rather it has helped and it has served to advance the gospel. So he's encouraging his audience. And at verse 27, I want you to notice he says this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Let me read this to you from the Christian Standard Bible. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. So here Paul, as he's writing to them, these 
saints in Philippi, along with the overseers and deacons, and he himself is in prison, he is writing to them, and he is encouraging them to live their lives in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. They're believers in the gospel. They have put their faith in Christ. They are partners with the Apostle Paul in the gospel. And so he wants them to live their everyday lives in a way that is worthy of the gospel. And he says this. He says that what he wants to hear, whether he's able to visit them in person or he's only able to hear, he says, I want to hear this, that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He wants them to be united. Like He wants them together. I mean, they are His partners in the Gospel. He wants them to cooperate with one another. He wants them to work together with one mind. He wants them contending side by side. He wants them striving side by side together for the faith of the Gospel. They're on the same team. He wants them working and laboring together for the cause of of Jesus. And even in the face of opposition, verse 28, that they won't be frightened in anything by their opponents. So, so even in the face of opposition, even in the face of, of persecution, he wants them living their lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. He wants them united. He wants them together. He wants them striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So how do we at first NSB, how do we work together for the faith of the gospel what's our game plan what's our our strategy how do we at first nsb go about making and maturing disciples how do we grow in our love for god and all people how do we raise up the next generation of disciples how do we do this what is our strategy our strategy for disciple making and disciple maturing is to gather Group, give, and go. Now, disciple-making. Jesus says in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So, so when you think about disciple-making, how do we make disciples? Well, we've got to communicate the gospel. We've got to communicate the truth about Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life, never did anything wrong, perfectly obeyed His Father. He died on a cross for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. He appeared to His disciples over a period of 40 days. He ascended into, the, into heaven. And one day He is coming again. In fact, we sang about what we believe earlier. We sang we believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Right? We believe in the Holy Spirit. He's given us new life. Right? We believe in the crucifixion. We believe in the resurrection. We believe that, that Jesus is coming again. Right? So our strategy for disciple making, our strategy for helping people come to understand the truth of the gospel, for helping men and women and children to put their faith in Jesus, is to gather, group, give and go. But it's not just making disciples. We're also into the business of maturing disciples because I haven't arrived and you haven't arrived as a disciple. Right? It's not like you become a disciple and, and then that's it. Okay, I'm a disciple. I don't have to do anything further. No, I 
have lots of room for maturity as a disciple. You have lots of room for maturity as a disciple. So our strategy, our game plan for making disciples and maturing disciples is to gather, group, give, and go. So we have four words here that begin with the letter G. Easy to remember, right? Gather, group, give, and go. But what do we mean by these four G's? Well, I want you to notice these four words are verbs. They're action words. These are things we do. These four words express our commitments. What we do to make and mature followers of Jesus. So so remember, our purpose is to glorify God. Our mission is to make disciples. Our vision is to be a multi-generational disciple-making church that's growing in our love for God and all people and that is raising up the next generation of disciples to reach this community and the world for Jesus. So our four G's, gather, group, give, and go, express our strategy for accomplishing all of this. So let's look at these individually. The first one, we gather for worship. Now when do we gather? Right now. We gather for worship on Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock and 10.30. Like that's when we do that. That's when we do this. We, we gather on Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock and 10.30. Where do we gather? Right here in the worship center. Right? Some of you are joining us online. Right? So we gather on Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock and 10.30, either here in the worship center, which if you are able to be here in the worship center, we want you here gathered physically, but we're also thankful for everyone that can join us online. But why do we gather? Well, notice what it says. We gather for worship. Why do we gather? We gather to worship God. We gather to worship the triune God who has revealed Himself in the Bible to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We gather to praise Him from whom all blessings flow. Now, there's all kinds of things we could talk about, like the benefits of being here, gathered with the church family for worship. There's all kinds of benefits. There's positive things we could talk about. And we will do that in in weeks to come when we talk about this more specifically, gathering for worship with the family. But first and foremost, the reason we are here on this Sunday morning, the reason we gather on any Sunday morning is for God. We gather for worship. We gather to sing to God. We we gather to pray to God. We gather to do what we're doing right now, to open the Bible and to to read Scripture and to to hear Scripture and to to hear God's Word taught. We, We gather to be encouraged by God's Word and to be challenged to live in obedience to it. We gather because we love God. The early church was committed to meeting together at the temple. In fact, the, the early converts to, to, to Jesus in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they rece- received their food with glad and generous hearts. They attended the temple together. They gathered together consistently, regularly. The writer of Hebrews encourages his audience with these words. He says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. 
In other words, let's give some thoughtful consideration. Let's give some intentional thought to how we, the people of God, can motivate each other and encourage each other to live lives that are characterized by love and good works. What's a disciple? The disciple believes in Jesus, lives for Jesus, grows in Jesus, and makes disciples of Jesus. So, So, a disciple is living his or her life for Jesus. So, Here the writer of Hebrews is saying to the believers, let us consider how we can stir up one another. And depending upon your translation, it may render it differently. It may say how we can spur one another on. Right? And and as I think about this, I I think like how how do we motivate each other? How do we encourage each other? How do we push each other? As God's people to to, to live lives of, of, of love and good works. But then he says this in the very next verse. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. He says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he says in verse 24, he says, let's let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then he says, negatively, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So here we see the writer of Hebrews is encouraging the people of God to, to gather, that they don't neglect to meet together, but rather they encourage each other and even more as they see the, the future day of the Lord coming. That they, that they gather together, they encourage each other, they, that they motivate each other to live lives of, of love and good works. We gather for the glory of God. Gathering helps us make immature disciples. Gathering helps us to grow in our love for God and people. Gathering helps us to, to raise up the next generation. Right? I'm not going to go into great detail here, but just think about this, parents. When you think about gathering helps us to raise up the next generation. Parents, I see parents in the worship center right now with your children. Now, I don't know what happened in your homes this morning as you as a family prepared to be here this morning. I don't know if it was chaos or if it was like a well-oiled machine. But what I know is the fact that you parents are here with your children in the worship center whether you verbally communicate it or not, by your actions of having them here, you're demonstrating a value to your children. Churches, we gather, parents, as we gather for worship with the people of God, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and we don't let the stuff of life keep us from gathering with God's people, gathering helps us to raise up the next generation of disciples. So we gather for worship. Second, we group for discipleship. We group for discipleship. Now we call our groups here small groups or you're going to be hearing about community groups. When do these community groups meet? They meet throughout the week. Our community groups meet throughout the week. Some of them meet in homes. Some of them may meet here on church property. Some of them are meeting online. But why do we group? Well, again, notice it says we group for discipleship. Discipleship is a lifelong process 
of growing in Jesus. Discipleship is a, is a lifelong journey whereby you and I are growing in Jesus. So as disciples who believe in God the Father, who believe in Christ the Son, who believe in the Holy Spirit, as disciples who believe that Jesus died on a cross for our sins, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, as disciples who believe that Jesus is one day going to come again, as disciples, we are living our lives for Jesus. We're obeying Jesus. And as we're believing in Jesus and we're living for Jesus and obeying Jesus, Jesus is growing us and transforming us. And we in turn are to be making more and more disciples. So we group for discipleship. So what this means is we join a small group of other believers in our church. And we gather around with that group of believers in a living room or around a table and we get to know each other. Like we, we get to know each other. Like I, I get to know what's going on in your life and you get to know what's going on in my life. And, and now, you're no longer the person that I see sitting on the other side of the worship center. You're no longer the person that I've been looking at the back of their head for the last 40 minutes. You're a person that I know. And we, we don't just get to know each other, we get to know our God together. We, we open the Bible together and, and we read the Scripture together and we talk about what does the Scripture mean and we talk about how should we be living in light of the Scripture. And we encourage each other to be obedient and faithful. And hopefully as we grow in relationship with each other and we begin to trust each other and we, and we love each other more and more, hopefully there's a place where when we need some correction... We've got a brother or sister in Jesus who will lovingly come alongside us and correct us. And hopefully we'll receive it for what it is. Loving correction from someone who cares about us. So we group for discipleship. Our relationships with one another helps us to grow in our relationship with Jesus as we encourage and challenge each other to be faithful to Jesus. The writer of Hebrews Listen to these words. He says this, Hebrews 3, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, now the writer of Hebrews is writing to believers. Right? He's writing to people who've, who've put their trust in Jesus and they're living for Jesus. And he's saying, I want you to be careful. He's offering them a warning and we need to hear this warning too. Brothers and sisters, make sure that there is not in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that would lead you to fall away from the living God. You may say, oh, that's not me. I would never have an evil, unbelieving heart. I would never fall away from the living God. These words are given to believers. Take care, brothers. Take care, brothers and sisters in Jesus. Make sure there's not in you an unbelieving heart, an evil unbelieving heart that would lead you to fall away from the living God. And then he says positively, but exhort one another every day or encourage one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now if this is going to happen, 
right? If the believers that, that the writer of Hebrews is writing to, if they're gonna, if they're gonna make sure that their hearts don't become hardened, if they're gonna make sure that they don't fall away from the living God, if they're gonna encourage each other, if if, if they're gonna speak into each other's lives, if they're gonna exhort one another every day, it is going to require some relational proximity or closeness. It's going to require some connection amongst them, that there's relational connection, that they're rubbing shoulders. How can we encourage one another every day? So that we're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin if we don't ever interact with each other. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Colossae, I think he also speaks of this relational closeness or connection among believers. He says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, if we're going to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, we're going to have to expose ourselves to the word of Christ. If we're going to let the Word of Christ be in us, then we're going to have to have a a regular intake of the Word of Christ. We're going to have to be readers of God's Word. We're going to have to be hearers of God's Word. We're going to have to let ourselves be close to God's Word. He says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Again, there's a relational connection. There's a closeness here that we are involved in each other's lives teaching and admonishing one another. So when and how do you join a community group? Right, You may be here this morning, you may be joining us online and you're thinking to yourself, okay, sounds great. I need a group with other believers. How can I join a group? Well, you can visit guest services. Before you leave this morning, they can help you out, give you the options for groups. You can open your church app, or if you don't have it, you can download it, and you can click on community groups on the bottom. It'll take you another place where you can look at the groups available and you can ask to join. Or you can mark on your calendar February the 28th, group link, Group Link is an event we're having the last Sunday of February, and you'll get to meet the group leaders of our various small groups, and you can make a decision that day what group you want to be a part of. We group for the glory of God. Grouping helps us make and mature disciples of Jesus. Grouping helps us to grow in our love for God and people. Grouping helps us to raise up the next generation. Just think about that, parents. Grouping helps us to raise up the next generation. I mean, just think about it. As a parent, as a parent, if you're in a small group and you're in a small group and you're being encouraged by other believers and challenged by other believers, will that encourage you as a parent? Certainly. Grouping helps us to raise up the next generation of disciples so we gather for worship we 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 group for discipleship and then third we give to support the mission of first nsb followers of jesus are givers 
Now, when we talk about giving, there, there's two things we're talking about here, two big, broad things here. We're talking about, on the one hand, giving from our financial resources, and we're talking about giving from our spiritual gifts. So let's talk about the first one, giving from our financial resources. We give our money to support the mission of First NSB. Now, when do we give? It's not a one-and-done transaction. It's not like it happens once. Okay, I gave and I don't ever give again. It's ongoing. Right? As we receive income, we give. For some, it may be as often as they get paid. For others, it may be monthly or at some other interval. Well, how do we give? Well, we can give cash. We can write a check. We can put it in an offering bucket when we leave this morning. We can go into the cafe and we can drop that cash or check in the, the drop safe beside the kiosk or we can use a card and give it the kiosk. We can open up our church app and, and click on the heart icon. We can give through the church app. We can go to firstnsb.org, click on the give button. We can pop it in the mail. But how, why do we give? I mean, we can talk about the logistics of, of, of when we give and how we give, but, but, but why do we give? Why would we put our hard-earned money into an offering bucket? Well, why would, we, why would we take the money that we've earned and why would we give it to the church? We give because we are believers in Jesus committed to the mission of Jesus. That's why we give. We give because we're believers in Jesus, right? We believe, we sang it. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe in the resurrection. We believe He's coming again. I mean, do we believe it or do we just sing those songs? Do we just sing the lines, the lyrics, or do we actually believe it? We give because we're believers in Jesus committed to the mission of Jesus. We give because we're committed to the mission of funding what God has given us to do at First NSB. Paul urged the Corinthians, he said, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now in the context there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he's talking about a, a contribution to help others. But the principle here is, is, is true that, that we should each give as we've decided, not reluctantly or under compulsion, that God loves a cheerful giver. So we give because we believe. right? We believe in the mission. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe He's the only hope for the world. I mean, do you believe that this morning? I mean, we, we believe that at First NSB, that Jesus Christ is the only hope for the world. Right? The, the hope for our world is not in a politician, is not in a, in a cause. Right? The, the hope for our world is, is not the things of, of man or the things of this world. It's only Jesus. He's the only Savior. Right? No matter how messed up no matter how big of a mess you've made of your life, the only one who can actually truly help you is the God who created you. 
Like the only one who can really help me and the only one who can help you with our anxiety and our fear and our, our frustration and our temptations and our failures is the God who made us and the God who gave His Son Jesus for us. It's not just that God can only help me and He can, it's not just that God's the only one who can help me and He's the only one who can help you. God's the only one who can help anybody. So we give to fund the mission of our church of making disciples of reaching people with the gospel but we also give from our spiritual gifts to support the mission of first nsb we give our time and our talents we serve and really the word serve is 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 the word here because when we talk about giving we can talk about giving our finances but we also give of our time we give of our spiritual gifts that God has given to us and so here the word that I want us to think about here is serve we serve right we give as we serve well when do we serve well, we serve while we gather. In fact, many people serve while we gather. When do we gather? We gather on Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock and 10.30. Well, people can serve while we gather. We have greeters. People who stand at the, the various entry points to our facility and, and they smile and, and they're welcoming and encouraging and, and they point you in the right direction if you're a guest. And if you have questions, they answer your question. And if they don't know the answer to your question, hopefully they point you to somebody who does know the answer to your question. We have people who, who will make coffee in the cafe. We have people right now who are serving in, in children's ministry during this 10.30 worship service. We have people who serve on our tech team. People who serve on our worship team. We have people who serve during the week in our Awana ministry on Wednesday nights in youth ministry on Thursday nights. We have people who do behind the scenes stuff that you never even see. People that make sure that the backs of those chairs have offering envelopes and guest cards and pens who make sure there are Bibles underneath those chairs. People who make sure we have guest bags ready to go so that when guests come to guest services, we've got a guest bag we can give them. Who make sure we have those children's worship packets so that when children come to worship, we can give them a, a worship packet. There's behind the scenes stuff that happens. We have people who serve by being a community group leader, a small group leader. We have people who, who serve by hosting a small group in their home. See, there's lots of ways we can serve. Right? There's, there's ways you can serve where, where, yeah, we see those people serving, right? But there's ways you can serve where people don't even see it. And yet it's impactful. Now you may say, well, how can I serve? What, what can I do to get started? Well, here's where you can start. Just text the word serve. Text the word serve to 386-777-1417. Now, I know you hear that number all the time. You can really use the number. We're going to respond to you. One of our team members will respond to you. Right? You guys responded great last week about community hot meal. In fact, we might have had more people respond than we actually need, which is great. That's always a good problem. Right? If we went to our children's ministry leader and we said, hey, we got more people than you need, I don't think she would object. It's okay to have more people than you need. So just text the word serve. 386-777-1417. So we gather for worship. We 
group for discipleship. We give to support the mission of the church. And in fact, I want you to hear these words of the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As each has received a gift. So, so it's not that some of us have been gifted by God while others have been left out. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been gifted by God. You have been gifted by God. The Holy Spirit lives within you. And he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Listen to these words of the Apostle Paul as he writes to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 4, he says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, who are the saints? I mean, that's who the letter of Philippians is written to, right? Paul writes Philippians to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Who are the saints? Every single believer in Jesus Christ, every single child of God is a saint. Now, we don't always live very saintly, but we are all saints if we are believers in Jesus, if we are children of God. He says that these persons, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, have been given to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who does the work of ministry? All the saints. So we give for the glory of God, church. Giving helps us make immature disciples. Giving helps us to grow in our love for God and all people. Giving helps us to raise up the next generation of disciples. We gather, we group, we give, and then finally we go as everyday disciples. Now, gathering, grouping, and giving happen at specific times. Right? We're gathered right now. If you're in a small group, it meets at a specific time in a specific place. Right? If you're serving in some capacity in our church, it happens at a specific time. Right? You serve on Wednesday nights in our Awana ministry. You host a small group at your house on Thursday nights. Right? Your, your giving may happen at various intervals. Right? You may give weekly. You may give every other week. You may give monthly. Right? But it happens at, at a specific time whenever you decide to do it. So gathering, grouping, and giving happens at specific times, but our going is, is continual. Right? When you see that idea of going as an everyday disciple, understand that is your 24-7 life. That is your thoughts. That is your speech. That is your actions. That is where you live. That is where you work. That is where you play. That is your everyday life in your everyday environments. So when we depart from our gathering for worship, and you depart from your small group, and you depart from your serving opportunities, and you go back into your neighborhood, and you go back into your school, and you go back into your workplace, and you go back into your home, you go as an everyday disciple you live your life pursuing jesus i mean think about this 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 is how we're to be living our lives pursuing jesus every day so part of that is the pursuing of spiritual disciplines right foundational to that is is the intake of god's word Right, we've got so much stuff available to us, right? I mean, right now, at your fingertips, you've got all kinds of information. More information than you could ever process. Right, you Google something and you're going to get more results than you could ever 
investigate. We got TV screens. We got computer screens. We got tablets. We got smartphones. We got smart watches. We get notified about something happening halfway across the planet. Right? We are so consumed with so much. We're busy. We're distracted. But foundational to us going as everyday disciples is disciplining ourselves to opening God's Word and reading the Word of God and hearing from the God of Heaven. Church, I promise you, what God says to us through His Word is more important and more life-transformative than anything you're ever going to find on social media, than anything you're ever going to hear on the news, than anything that any of your friends are going to tell you What you will find here in the pages of the Bible is far more significant and far more transformative. Now if you say, well, I'm not much of a reader, okay, download an audio Bible and listen to it. Listen to God's Word. Let let somebody else read God's Word to you. So we hear from God through the Scripture. We we pray to God. Prayer. We communicate. In fact, let me, let, me, let me share with you a little prayer from the psalmist. Here's what the psalmist prays in Psalm 86, verse 11. The psalmist prays, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. It sounds like what we're talking about when we say go as everyday disciples. Teach me your way, O Lord, as I gather with my church family for worship. God, teach me today as I've gathered with my church family. Teach me Your way that I may walk in Your truth. God, teach me as I, as I gather with my small group this evening. God, teach me as I, as I sit around the table, as I, as I sit in the living room with my small group. Teach me Your way, O Lord, that I may walk in Your truth. Or as we show up for youth ministry or we show up for children's ministry or we show up for some serving opportunity. Maybe we pray, God, teach me through those I serve that I may walk in Your truth. God, teach the ones that I'm serving that they may know Your truth and help them to walk in Your truth. We pray. We read Scripture. We obey. We share the Gospel. We make disciples. Church, our going encourages our gathering, our grouping, and our giving. Right? Our going glorifies God. Our going helps us make mature disciples. Our going helps us grow in our love for God and all people. Our going helps us to raise up the next generation of disciples. Think about this. Our going And what do I mean by going? It's our everyday lives, living our lives for Jesus, pursuing Jesus, reading Scripture, praying, being obedient, being faithful in everything we do all day, living for Jesus. It helps us when we gather, when we group and when we give. Just imagine this. Imagine if everybody who is a part of the First NSB family Imagine when we left this worship gathering this morning, if throughout this coming week we were faithful to go as an everyday disciple. We were faithful to read the Bible and we were faithful to pray and we were faithful to obey Jesus. 
and we were faithful to seek to make disciples, just imagine how that would give great fuel to our gathering for worship. Imagine how that would be transformative in your small group. And how that would encourage us as we give our finances and we give our time and we give from the spiritual gifts God has given to us. Just imagine. Church, we have a plan for making and maturing disciples. We have a plan for growing in our love for God and all people. We have a plan for raising up the next generation. It is to gather, to group, to give, and to go. Let me remind you of what Paul said to the church at Philippi. He said, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And he said, I want to hear that you're standing firm in one spirit. With one mind. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Church, we know our mission. We know why we're here. So let's commit ourselves to working side by side. Let's commit ourselves to gathering and grouping and giving and going. Let's do all of this for the glory of God. For the making and maturing of disciples.